0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code
1: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator. As always, is Michael Borkey. We appreciate you hanging out with us with another Mailbag Fridays presented by LBs. No Greg this week. There's a, Although, if there was a UFC card, I should have had him for it. It's this one. It sounds like this one's a little bigger this weekend. But, oh, well, we'll uh, live to fight another day. But got a lot to get in today. Got your mailbag questions. We'll probably get into some Pretty tiring topics that have been in the mainstream sports media as well, as well as some local stuff. You had Ole Miss football transfer news. You've got Ole Miss basketball transfer news. The basketball roster is set, uh, and we'll kind of, I guess, crystallize and put it in perspective. The, uh, the complete overhaul of the roster, really, for the second year in a row by Kermit Davis, uh, definitely necessary, but I guess props to him for actually kind of pulling it off because it's definitely a, a different-looking team, And most all of the kids that he's bringing in, Sands, I'm going to say one, are going to play heavy minutes next year. So, anyway, we'll get into all that uh, and take your mailbag questions and uh, get rolling this Friday. What's up?
0: Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, really excited to see all the Grizzlies fans that are furious uh, with the playoff structure because the league's trying to get Zion in. That cracks me up.
1: Um, Is it that, that, though? I know they want Zion playing. Is it that – but to me, you're trying to get you're trying More to recoup. Games.
0: That's what they want.
1: Well, that, but there were still 18 games left of season. And were the Pelicans going to make it in a normal playoff race? Probably not, but they still had a puncher's chance at it. And to me, like obviously, I
0: had them at a 60% chance to make the playoffs.
1: Okay, that's actually way higher than I would have thought. Oh, because I've got the schedule thing backwards. It, it, it was Memphis with the toughest remaining schedule, right. and New Orleans was the easiest. I was thinking it was vice versa is why, I guess, that just came out of my mouth. But my, my point being on that real quick is just, like, yes, I'm not stupid. They want Zion in. He's a ratings bonanza. Like, But, but that aside, the overall goal here was not let's get Zion here because you're going to have 15 more years of Zion. To me, it was more so how can we create the closest thing – to a legitimate playoff race to give the teams that were in the hunt a chance. And I think they accomplished that. Obviously it was not going to be normal after what happened. And so I, I just I yeah, to me it was just more so trying to create as normal an environment as possible in ridiculously adverse circumstances. And that's to me what they accomplished. Yeah, and
0: Memphis still has very much the upper hand. Um, is over anybody, over Portland and San Antonio and Sacramento. I mean, they've got the upper hand. The likelihood of you closing the gap on three and a half games in eight games is really small, and then they have to get beat twice. So, um, yeah, they've got the upper hand still, and, man, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I still am surprised that they're taking this long, but at least they're putting a product on the field. Or on the field, on the court.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, at least it's, uh, I mean, if nothing it's else, something. I really don't understand waiting till the end of July, but, you know, it is what it is. Um,
0: I, I And there will never be an answer that makes sense to me. Unless it, it, it's a conspiracy thing. Richard kind of shot this down, and I understand why he did it, but, man, something tells me, like, they didn't, Feel the need to rush because they were going to start next season later anyway. So they might as well have just taken their jolly time because they know they don't really need to worry about an end date. This year is going to be unique and messed up anyway, and we want to start next season later. So if we drag our feet, no big deal. Let's get it right.
1: Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I, I still think they could really play by like the week after Fourth of July if they, they really could play in four
0: weeks if they wanted to. Right now, yeah, they could play in but- four weeks.
1: I don't know. Whatever. It's better than nothing. I'm not going to knock them for delaying their start amidst a global pandemic and, you know, everything else we got going on. But uh, let's uh, let's actually knock out the Ole Miss related stuff before we get into the mailbag questions, uh, because I don't think many of the mailbag questions actually had much of this on. uh, But we'll go football first. Ole Miss defensive end Chuck Wiley. Has entered the transfer portal. I'm going to be completely honest on this. I reached out last night and tried to get a feel. I don't uh I don't have really hardly anything on this. I don't uh I uh I don't really know much of the reasoning. Um so I don't know. But he was gonna be a guy that was gonna push for a borderline starting job at defensive end, somewhere on the defensive line. A place where Ole Miss has lost a lot over the last couple of years. I uh, excuse me, from last year heading into this year. Uh this is a significant loss that kind of just quietly happened.
0: Hey. I'm kind of shocked it happened. Uh, I mean, it,
1: I've not
0: exactly tried to find out why. I, I've been trying to rely on you and, and to some degree Richard. Although, he doesn't tell me anything. like I've got buddies that are like, I bet Richard Cross tells you so much. Like, No, the opposite. He tells me literally nothing. The next bit of inside information I get from Richard Cross will be the first bit of inside information I get from that dude. He doesn't tell me anything. Uh, but I was just kind of relying on the two of you to, to kind of figure it out. I feel like it won't be all that difficult, or it won't be all that hidden for that long, right? I mean, something had to have happened. I mean, he's going into his senior year, as you mentioned, I mean, going to get significant playing time in the SEC West. I wonder if it's like maybe a, a disagreement with a new position coach or something. I don't know. I mean, it's it, The timing of it's odd considering they're just now reporting back. Uh, so something logic tells you that something happened. And I don't think we're going to be in the dark on what for all that long.
1: Uh, no, I mean, but it, it, like something happened. Is it like I doubt it? I mean, I, not I guess I'm not nefarious.
0: I mean, just like something happened. Uh, like maybe they, um, maybe he reported super out of shape and, and was told like, hey, you need to do better or you're not going to play. And he didn't like, you know, there's so many things that could have happened that would lead to that. But it just, I would be shocked if it's just the standard, ah, uh, wanted to go somewhere else for playing time. You know what I mean? It just, something had to have happened for you to transfer this late, right? Or am I overthinking
1: that? No, I don't think you're overthinking it. I just, I I don't know. I mean, kids from Georgia, I don't know if it's like, I mean, again, I'm just wildly speculating here and I don't want to get like irresponsible, but like, is it a family situation or, or what? I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't working.
0: know. We are, we are only speculating, uh, me especially. I just, It was the same thing with the Mississippi State transfers. Um, It doesn't mean the sky is falling or anything in Starkville, but there's a reason that that three guys wanted to leave. Something had to have have happened. There was a reason that they left. One was the Mike Leach tweet. One was their graduate transfer saw an opportunity to likely start and play alongside his brother on what is going to be a much better football team and his previous head coach. Um, The third one is kind of odd. We don't exactly know why he wanted to leave, but – the there's a reason that these guys want to go. Sometimes it's playing time. Sometimes it's family stuff. Um, so I'm again, we are simply speculating. But something had to have happened for him to leave. I'm just I'm surprised. I mean, I'm really surprised. Leaving an SEC West program that you're likely going to start at for your senior year is um, not common.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I guess the message here is more in our tone than it is actually what we're saying because we're not actually saying uh, a whole lot. I'm saying anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, I don't have anything on this. I, I didn't get any concrete answers. It seemed weird. He seemed like he'd be a pretty good fit in Durkin's uh, system, kind of a more traditional defensive end stuff than last year. To where, like, yeah, he was playing defensive end, but that was in some ways a kind of an interior defensive line spot. Yeah, I. Uh, I got nothing, but it's definitely a big loss. Because if you go through Ole Miss's defensive, uh, if you go through Ole Miss's defensive line from last year, it's harder to gauge because you're throwing in these outside linebacker positions. Like you've got Sam Williams coming back. You lost Brendan Williams, who is his backup on that outside linebacker. You lost Kadir Shepard, who Chuck Wiley backed up last year. Granted, those dudes technically outside linebackers, but you get my point. It's the defensive right. They
0: end were type defense. They slide. were defensive linemen. That's what you can classify them as.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you bring back Tariq Tisdale and Ryder Anderson, but on the other side of it, you lose Cotney and Austrian Robinson. Like it's, it's, you lose Kadir Shepard. Like they lost a lot. And like, you can't, like that's an experienced body. Chuck Wiley had played a lot of snaps for them last year already. Like, like that's just, that's something that you would want to lose. That's uh that a really, I mean, if you're looking at any of the positions on defense, that's where they lost the most was up front. So this is uh this is significant. I guess I'll kind of work on the weekend, work over the weekend, trying to figure out why. And maybe I'll have something for you Monday, but I'm not going to blow smoke out of my ass. I don't have anything. I don't. I mean, I don't know why. So that was the uh, that was the first part of it, but definitely significant. Like I, this isn't something. Uh, if I were like if if I were following Ole Miss and like invested, I wouldn't. I, I would not downplay this. This to me is significant. He was going to play a lot, and that's a position that they. Uh, that they certainly needed, so uh, I don't know. Maybe we could have a session of your craziest Chuck Wiley rumors. I don't know. They write a book on They could it, have certainly
0: out. used a uh, former four-star lineman, uh defensive lineman from the state of Mississippi.
1: Yeah, no kidding. But, hell, I mean, you've got, uh, what, like at least four weeks until some kind of pseudo camp falls up? Now, Fabian Lovett may end up back at state by then. Yeah, I – both of those kids talk about indecisiveness. I was talking my buddy uh, Antonio texted me that night. Antonio just loves to uh, check in every now and again and just see what kind of craziness is happening in this state because, like, you can leave Mississippi, but the part of Mississippi never really leaves you in terms of just covering the teams here and all the nonstop chaos you deal with. And he was like, "What's to do with the Jerry and Jones thing?" And I kind of gave him a little, like, basically what I thought, like, it was the case and what had happened. And he was like. So how many schools is Jerry and Chris committed to or played at? And I was like, well, I think he went it's at Ole least Miss, four Ole Miss state back committed kind of to Ole Miss, then to Florida state. And then he just texts me back and goes, I remember him from recruiting. Wasn't he, uh, wasn't he committed to Oklahoma for a bit? And I was like, I don't know, but I'll throw that in there, whatever. But yeah, both those kids were really indecisive. I am glad that story is gone. I, I that was not a fun one to follow.
0: Rippy, the story's never gone. It's never gone.
1: <laughs> True True. I guess. <laughs> I just once they enroll in Tallahassee, they uh they, they're not they're not on my radar anymore. Um so that's uh that I guess I'll work to try to figure out something over the weekend um uh, on
0: it's a tough ball. Uh, I mean, if you look at the depth chart, as you mentioned on, on the defensive line, there's just not a lot of names. Like like bodies. There's not a whole lot of them.
1: Yeah, no, there's not. I mean, not with not with much playing experience. That's going to be an interesting position next year. Because if they're not like, I mean, you saw, I mean, a lot 2018 Ole miss 4 3 defense without being able to generate an, a pass rush, particularly from the exterior. I think they'll have a better uh better chance at that with Sam. Sam, I think Sam Williams has a chance to really kind of pop this year. I mean, you talk about just like freak athlete, all the measurables hasn't really played football that long. You know, I would ask a couple, like I'd go to practice and kind of ask people last year, like, you know, is this a kid that could kind of move up this year? And he's like, he could, he could be projected as a first round pick this year and he still needs to come back to school. He's just not that polished. He's not refined like he needs he needs one more year of school for a lot of reasons cuz he didn't play football until his senior year. But anyway, I think he's got a chance to be really good, but outside of that there's there's not a lot of proven pass rushers and uh back to my point of 2018, you kind of saw what that looked like when they couldn't generate a pass rush and uh it was ugly. That defense sucked.
0: Yeah, it did. Um and, and I will say this about Durkin. So people get so caught up in like what kind of defense is this guy going to run? And I mean, it doesn't help that Ole Miss fans had a defensive coordinator that said the phrase, we just need to simplify and limit the menu over and over and over again, as if that's going to work in the SEC. Um, if you look, look at um, what Durkin's done as a defensive coordinator in his time at Michigan, uh, they presented a lot of different fronts and looks. Uh, it wasn't like they just ran the 4-3 every snap, every game. I mean, they did, they did – three-man fronts and four-man fronts and, and different uh, secondary personnel. It, it was a far more complex defense than the ones that you're used to watching, I guess, pre-Mike McIntyre. Because his defense, he, he was a good defensive coordinator. Memphis got a good one with him. But they're not going to be so dependent on having four down defensive linemen. Uh, with the way that he's coached in previous stops, they, they, they will pre- present multiple different looks. And so maybe that's a way they could uh, limit the need for depth on the defensive line if they don't have it. Is at times run three man fronts when they need to, because he's shown the propensity to do it in the past.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I got we have a mailbag question about what Kiffin's offense is going to look like, and I might just hold that off for Monday. And I might look in like it might be interesting to do a Monday show with someone that's covered Kiffin in the past and maybe someone with Durkin as well is kind of what the, it's going to look like. And uh, I'll look into it over the weekend, but I'd I would uh, I'd rather not half-ass that. So that's probably a good idea for Monday's show. I'm just spitballing out loud here. What was the question? Shows and stuff. The question was, um, like, how exactly is Kiffin's offense going to look different than what we, as he was talking about, like Ole Miss fans – have been used to seeing is the way he worded the question. So, like, what? How is this going to look different than what Ole Miss fans had seen in the past? Well, know, hasn't
0: their- uh, hasn't he said that Jeff Lebby going to be calling plays? I mean, of course, he's going to be the head coach and he's an offensive mind, so he'll have oversight. But isn't his OC going to be doing the play calling?
1: Uh, I was not present for anywhere where he said that Lebby would have a hundred. I could have just
0: made of- that up play calling
1: and, and
0: as i understand it and again i'm probably making this up i swear I, i've been told this somewhere along the way by somebody um but he, i don't think he'd have full autonomy no matter who the offensive coordinator was because of who lane kiffin is but i've been told that he will be calling plays for whatever that's worth probably nothing because my opinion's not worth shit but that's what i've been told
1: uh, yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I have not heard that. That would actually become as a pretty big shocker to me. I would say would, I would guess it's kind of a collaborative thing at best. But I mean, that's kind of Kiffin's mo. But I don't know. There were at least short, intermittent spurts where he wasn't calling plays at FAU, if I remember correctly. But I would, uh, I would be shocked if that were the case. Um, but anyway, I don't know. We'll probably look into both of those on Monday. But. Uh, transitioning to basketball, Ole Miss's roster is set. They had their final bit of attrition this morning with Luis Rodriguez officially entering the transfer portal. Or excuse me, Luis Rodriguez. I'm about to get myself in trouble here. Antavian Column entering the transfer portal. I don't know why I just said Luis Rodriguez. Dude, Column is in the transfer portal. That pretty much cements. Not pretty much. It does cement Ole Miss's roster going into the 2020. 2021 season if you had get made me guess back in march who was safe and who wasn't the two fringe guys i would have told you were dude column and bryce williams and i would have probably bet at the time both of them would be safe given that they only had matthew morrell committed i knew they were going to do something in the transfer market but didn't know they would i didn't forecast them being as active as they were but uh, you've had basically Five guys come in and four guys leave is essentially, or excuse me, five guys leave, four guys come in, and Jarkel Joyner come off a red shirt year uh, is essentially what you've had happen. So with Antavian Colum entering the transfer portal this morning, the roster is set for next year. So just kind of a breakdown of what you have had is you had dude column leave, Brian graduate, Franco and Carlos Curley immediately processed, Bryce William processed in late May. And then you had Jarkel come off a red shirt. Matthew Morell, obviously coming out of high school. They've got Ramella White from Arizona State. Robert Allen, who is probably not going to be eligible this year, though I haven't actually heard anything definitive on that from Samford. And grad transfer Dementia Vaughn. He and Ramella White are eligible immediately. So definitely a completely reshaped roster next year. And really, with the reshape, excuse me, with the exception of Robert Allen. Four of the five guys you brought in are either going to start or in probably Matthew Morrell's case, if I had to guess, doesn't start immediately, going to play very heavy minutes. So Kermit Davis has reshaped the roster again um in a short amount of time and did part of it through a pandemic. And Pretty four of the five if we're being Yeah, honest. I mean three I mean I would pencil in three of the four right now as starters. Jarkel, Romello, and Dementio Vaughn. And Matthew Morrell, I don't, you know, it's always tough with high school kids making the adjustment to the SEC, but he's definitely going to get a crack at playing minutes. And would it stun me if he kind of flashes and ends up being a starter? No, but three of these guys are probably going to be on the starting five come opening night next year.
0: Uh, Speaking of that, um, they released their full non conference schedule. So look at that. Uh, Let's look at that when we're done here. Um, It's really good. I mean, really, really, really good. Uh, I mean, serious RPI opportunities. Strength of schedule is not going to be their issue whatsoever. Um, The guy I'm most looking forward to watching under Kermit Davis is Romello White because that guy strikes me as the exact type of player that Kermit Davis wants and that Kermit Davis can win with. And his usage rate at at Arizona State, I said this on the radio, was just so low uh, compared to how he produced when he was used. I mean, he was almost a 60% shooter and only averaged 11 points per game. I suspect that with the, the physical style of play that he has and the kind of like gritty Bulldog type mentality he's got, Kermit Davis is going to run the offense through him and he will continue um, or he should produce at a high level considering uh, the efficiency in which he scored with at Arizona State. So I'm looking forward to seeing him.
1: Yeah, he's a good player, and so is Dementia Vaughn. I don't know much about Robert Allen, but a good rebounder. But if you're looking for some sort of common thread in who these guys are, take out Joiner because that was basically kind of the perimeter score to replace Bree and Tyree. That aside, uh, if you're looking for a common thread, these dudes are tough, and these dudes are going to rebound the hell out of the basketball. I mean, that was, I mean, we talked about it, you know, ad, ad nauseum on this podcast. Uh, Throughout the season, Kermit Davis last year would just pretty much kind of lay it out there. That team did not represent his identity or his quote-unquote DNA as a head coach. They weren't tough. They stunk on the road. They didn't rebound very well. And uh, they didn't respond very well in adverse situations. And uh, I think that really bothered him. Uh, This team was – I don't I would always, I'd be interesting. I might ask Kermit this one day, but in terms of just now, because if I'd asked him this last year, he probably wouldn't have said anything, even on the record or off. But now that the team is not like together anymore, I wonder where the 2019 2020 Ole Miss team ranks in terms of uh, frustrating teams he's coached. I imagine he lost a lot of sleep over it. But that point being, it, it just did. This team did not jive with Kermit's idea of a basketball team. And so you've got your score, your backcourt scorer and Jarkel Joyner, who by all accounts in practice, they I mean, they talked so highly of him and often unprovoked about how he performed in practice last year as just kind of a bucket getter and a volume scorer. Um, You've got that. And then everyone else is pretty much going to be a tough defender and they're going to rebound well. So uh, this the team is not going to uh, look similar to uh, to last year's team. I can guarantee you that.
0: Uh, for sure. So let's uh, let's look at that schedule then, because they finalized it uh, or at least announced it in full yesterday. We knew Memphis was going to be on it. We knew Dayton was going to be on it because of uh, a Twitter back and forth between the two uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, but a really good non-conference schedule. So they have Memphis at home. They go to Dayton, who was what, the number two team in the country last year uh, as, sneaky national championship pick i mean that was probably the best dayton team ever Uh, always a really good program and a tough place to play they get the return trip of wichita state which is a really good game and then they go to the uh, cayman islands classic that has kansas state miami oregon state western kentucky in it northern iowa who at times can help your rpi i mean that that is a really really good non-conference schedule
1: Yes, it is. I mean, they've got some good opportunities. They go to Dayton, as you mentioned. They It's a strong—I mean, you've got the Cayman Islands deal, and then you've got a couple of—you of, know, you've got a true road game. You've got a pretty good home game with Memphis. It's a, it's a good schedule. They did a good job putting it together. Um, and I think some of that is just validation with kind of how they've come along as a program of late. I mean, it, they're definitely viewed differently, and this is partly credit to Andy Kennedy as well, but they're definitely viewed differently than they were— A decade ago and it's a little bit easier to get games but yeah I mean that Wichita State thing is kind of built in with the AAC SEC uh challenge or whatever what I think it's called And that's a
0: great I mean that's a great draw I mean it's better that than like East Carolina or something
1: yeah and then you go obviously at Dayton December 19th you got a home game against Memphis December 5th it's just kind of like your marquee non-conference home game to kind of I mean, that's right as football season ends, unless Ole Miss makes a bowl. But you get kind of get my point either way. And speaking uh, of them. that,
0: what the hell is going on there? I love, uh, they, what? They, they lost an assistant coach at Memphis. Because uh, the, the reporting is that he only wanted to spend more time with his family and not because uh, the NCAA is breathing down their neck and about to shoot them to the moon.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, I, I haven't read much into that situation. I saw Mike Miller left, but I, I didn't really read much into it at all. I assume just kind of— Things uh, are
0: happening up there, man. Uh, things are happening up there. Like I've been hard on the NCAA about LSU, and apparently Dick Vitale prematurely reported that they received a notice of allegations, and all the local media is like, Oh, no, that's not true. That's, it's coming. It, it, it's going to happen. I, man, I, I will sit here and guarantee it that LSU receives a notice of allegations from the NCAA. Like That is going to happen. So maybe Dick Vitale was early, but he's not going to be wrong. And the same thing is going to happen at Memphis, too.
1: I saw Dick Vitale put some something out there about the LSU thing, and I just I don't. I mean, obviously, if it's not coming from a normal reporter, I normally don't trust it. Like when TV guy like Dan Dockich, uh, Jeff Brom to uh, Purdue, or what well, no, what was it? it well, who was it? It, it? Jeff was it Brom to Louisville?
0: Yeah, I think so. What
1: just shit like that? I don't normally trust. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's end up going to end up being wrong. I just I hadn't read into the Mike Miller thing at all. I remember him actually more as a player, as a coach, but I know he's, he was very involved in the recruitment of kind of that, that recruiting class that came into Memphis last year. Him leaving, probably not just a coincidence of him wanting to spend time with his family all of a sudden, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't read a bunch into that, but anyway.
0: Yeah, it still um, should be a good game, though. I, I mean, anytime you can get Memphis at home and potentially beat them, it could only help with you recruiting inside of that city. Um, it's a really good, really, really, really good schedule. And uh, credit to to Kermit Davis for, and Keith Carter for putting that kind of schedule together. That'll make people care about Ole Miss basketball. Like the the pavilion helps and all that, but marquee matchups before SEC play is huge. Because at least in my experience, and I've only been affiliated with the school one way or another for for a decade. But I remember in college, nobody even, like, I heard heard people say the basketball season doesn't start until SEC play. And the the attendance in the arena reflected that. Well, now that's not really the case, or it shouldn't be. You've got good matchups, at least a couple of them, in your place before conference play. And so now more people will have an opportunity to go to the pavilion and see good basketball before February.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess January because isn't that kind of yeah, conference? Yeah, yeah, January but yeah, late. I mean, you've kind of got the you've kind of got your game in there in Memphis to kick off the non-conference season. You have got a road game right before Christmas at Baylor, at, excuse me, at Dayton, and then kind of your first litmus test is that Cayman Islands deal. Where I don't have that pulled up on their schedule. They, I don't remember his going to that. I'll pull it up. Uh,
0: Kansas State, Miami, um, Oregon State. Western Kentucky, so they get to see Rick Stansberry some more. Um, LaSalle and uh, Northern Iowa. I think that's all of them. Nevada as well.
1: Pretty decent field. A chance to see Kansas State. A potential chance to see Oregon State. Who I think that Trace Tinkle kid, the coach's son, has finally left. But pretty good program the last couple of years. So, yeah, they got a pretty good non-conference schedule um, lined up for next year. And certainly a different roster to wade through it with. Uh, Let's take a break real quick before we get to the mailbag questions. Remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, The weather, at least around north Mississippi, is supposed to be really good this weekend. Isn't there some kind of tropical storm supposed to hit after that? Like, is that next week when the rain's coming?
0: Um, We're getting it here late Sunday into early Monday. Um, Cristobal. It won't be a hurricane as far as... What I've seen, it'll only be a tropical storm when it makes landfall, but it's going to go basically right up the Mississippi River, it seems, and just give us a shit ton of rain.
1: Yeah, whatever. Trust the weather, nerds. But point being is you got Friday and Saturday to go enjoy the nice weather. Go throw something on the grill at LB's, particularly if you're in North Mississippi. I promise you, you won't regret it. I'd recommend the tri-tip, the Lane Train Special, the Keith Carter Special, 8- and 6-ounce bacon wrap. Filets are always solid. You can't really go wrong there. He's got all kinds of sausages – custom cuts. You need to go check him out. I've said this ad nauseum over and over again, but I I promise I wouldn't steer you in the wrong direction. I've had plenty of people that listen to the show text me about something they got at LB's and how good it was. Greg will hook you up, uh, and you can go in there ask him now that you've contributed maybe to our horse fund, because we want to buy a horse, and we can't do that unless LB's goes to the moon. So anyway, go check him out, LB's University Avenue, across from Kroger let's dive into the mailbag questions here we go this is probably the latest we've gotten into the mailbag questions on a pod before we normally get right into it let's see do you think we'll have MLB this year oh what a question to start uh from Murph to Smurf that serves I don't understand the internet but ah uh, uh, man it you it my answer changes by the day I'm still gonna say yes because I really just cannot wrap my mind around the just general stupidity of the owners let this season go by the wayside. I I really just can't. Baseball is always going to be popular to the point to where it lines their pockets with money. But you talk about a long-term financial hit and baseball just becoming irrelevant completely on the national level. If they don't play a season this year, it's over with, man. Like, baseball is toast. It is full-on niche sport I'd put it even closer to, like, golf at this point. And I hate that, but it's the truth. And I, I like baseball. I'm always going to watch it. But uh, I don't really get – like, I like the sport of baseball. I don't really let it, like, like screw with my emotions at all. So I'm not going to feel, like, betrayed or anything, like your normal fan, if they don't come back. And I'll watch it when it comes back. I'm not going to, like, bullshit you on that. But, like – there's going to be a lot of upset people and a lot of upset fans, and you're going to lose a lot of fans, and it's really going to put a dent in an already terrible job of trying to get the attention of the younger generation. So I, I just still can't believe a group of people that have made it to where they are in life, you know, becoming billionaires, getting that rich, uh, uh, and being you – know, you can't be dumb being that rich, I guess is what I'm trying to say – I just can't believe they're actually going to screw this up. So, I may, maybe, maybe I'm just in full on denial. I'm talking myself into denial. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So, I'm going to answer yes. And you're not going to convince me otherwise, even if the evidence shows it.
0: No, no. Some rich people challenge that notion sometimes. That's for sure. Um, what's it going to take then? Uh, because something that I read again this morning, just it does not seem like a- anybody's willing to get something done. And man, it's Friday i mean it's it's June fifth if they're gonna start the season on july fourth that that time has passed so the eighty two game schedule was probably done uh, i I don't have the any confidence it just seems like they're so far apart and and so dug in and maybe the owners are just it I don't know what I'm trying to say other than I don't think the owners are as incentivized as people think that they are. Because no matter what, they're well, it's losing because, money. It's because
1: the business of baseball basically now has it is is the fewer games they play, the less money they lose. And that's just not good incentive if you're trying to get a product on the well, field. Well, aren't they so,
0: leveraging, though, for the next CBA? I mean, isn't that part of I mean, the, the bit, thing here this- is they're trying to posture to to have more uh leverage and negotiating power for the next CBA so they don't give the players as much as they did last time
1: uh a little bit that's also part of it but just talking about the main thing and their inability to compromise on the number of games it's just kind of a screwed up notion where where fewer games means losing less money and that's the pandemic's fault I mean this wouldn't be happening if it weren't for you know COVID-19 but when 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 your business model gets to the point where fewer games means you lose less money, like they're not exactly going to be incentivized to one play any sort of legitimate season and two play one at all. And so that's really where kind of most of the hangup is. Sure. There's some sort of posturing in terms of just kind of trying to strong arm them going into labor negotiations next year. But I don't really know what the end goal of that is. Cause you're never going to get a salary cap. Like, I, I, I mean, that's just kind of a non-starter, so I don't really know what the end goal of that would be. It's just gotten to the point where fewer games means they lose less money, and it's kind of a greed thing to where they would they, they aren't willing to just lose a little bit more money this year, play a legitimate season, and get back to normal on next year. So
0: According to I, Jeff Passan, uh, Major League Baseball is in discussions with the owners, and the, the owners are focused on a 48-game season.
1: But, like, I, I, I'm not going to
0: – What the hell is the point of
1: a 48-game season? That's What's shorter than a college baseball season. Uh,
0: that would – that wouldn't be dumber than not putting a season on at all, but that's the next dumbest thing.
1: Yeah, and so, like, but that's my overall point. When you get to a point where fewer games means more money for the owners, which is basically kind of what it is. It's not more money. It's just losing less money, but it's kind of more money uh, by default then you're in a really just kind of dangerous place. And so, I don't know. Long story short, I'm going to say yes, but I, I I don't feel great about that. Your Reds prediction this year and next year. Well, let's just go with next year because I don't know what to make of this season. If they keep the same roster intact, I think they're a wild card team. They uh, You know, you add Mustakis, that pitching rotation was already probably one of the top three in the National League. They just didn't have the offense to support it, and I think they did a lot to address that. Uh this off season, so I uh I will go Reds are a wild card team in twenty twenty one. Let's see. If
0: we have Be- a season in twenty twenty
1: one. Yeah, no, at the rate they're going. Good God. Uh best and worst Adam Sandler movie.
0: Mm. The worst is probably Jack and Jill.
1: I've never seen that one, but uh, I like Adam Sandler, and all his early movies were like a great part of like your, you know, your youth and your childhood, but all the movies he makes now stink. <laughs> I thought, uh, what's the movie with, where he's the diamond guy? I thought that movie sucked. I, like,
0: you didn't it, like I, Uncut Gems?
1: No, it, there's just nothing more to it. I kept waiting for the storyline to get like, like any sort of remotely deep at all. It was just the same thing over and over again. Like, I, I thought it stunk. Um, I think most of his later movies are stunk, but those aside... Uh, best one. I don't know how you could go wrong with happy Gilmore. Uh, big daddy's another good one. Hmm. <laughs> I like Mr. Deeds. Of course, Billy Madison. As far as words, like I don't really dislike any of his old ones. I mean, what is Jack and Jill? I, I don't think I've ever actually seen that.
0: It's where he plays. The, he does like the Tyler Perry thing where he plays a woman in It's awful. Um, uh, That's my boy's also really bad too. Yeah, I haven't seen either one of those. Like his twin sister comes back, and he plays his sister, and um, it's like a Thanksgiving thing. It's terrible.
1: Uh, I didn't think. I thought the Grown Ups movies were okay. I thought Grown Up Two kind of stinks. So really, just kind of his later movies now, because like his his he's kind of
0: a genius if you think about it. Though all he does now is rounds up his buddies and goes to some kind of badass tropical location, films a bad movie, and hangs out for a few months. Like, what a genius.
1: And if it makes money, more power to him. So,
0: and it does, man. Like, um, his production company did a, a movie called, like, The Wrong Missy, I think. And it's got David Spade and, and, like, all the regular people from all of his movies. And even though he's not in it. It's like in some tropical location. I mean, Fifty First Dates. Like, they hung out in Hawaii for a few months, and he filmed a movie, but really, he just brought all of his buddies to Hawaii. Like, same thing with the Grown Ups movies. They went and hung out by the lake for a few months and filmed a movie. It's not a very good movie, but it's...
1: I think the guy's a genius. Well, I mean, isn't he telling you what his best two movies are? Because it' in his production company called Happy Madison Productions? Yep. So I think he's telling you what his two best movies are. So... And you
0: can't. If you look at the reviews of those two movies, that just shows you how movie critics are just awful. Uh, they're not good at all.
1: I've never looked at a movie critic once in my life. I've never looked at Rotten Tomatoes. I think people that do are the worst. Because if your job is to critique movies, you're all you're automatically going to overthink it. It's a movie. It's all it is It's supposed to entertain you for a couple hours. Like it's not a it's not a it's not a time test or a multiplication test. Like. It's not that serious, in my opinion. Like it's like an escape. So like, if your job is to critique it, then you're automatically going to. I've never once. Like, I don't even. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I don't even know what Rotten Tomatoes looks like. Here, I'll go to it first uh, for the first time ever. But people like, like I dated a girl in high school that used to do that. She's like, "Let's see what it says on Rotten Tomatoes." Like, no. Like, why do I give a shit what some (laughs) hipster says about you know? Talladega Nights. Like, I know what I'm getting when I'm watching Talladega Nights. It's a bunch of crude humor and, you know, penis jokes. Like, cool. That's what I'm signing up for. I don't need somebody to tell me how great or how terrible the screenplay was. Or whatever. Anyway. I, mean, I, I don't um, listen to his, critics.
0: No, uh, you shouldn't. His uh, his stand-up special on Netflix is actually really good. Sandler? Yes. Um, I-, I was surprised. It's It's really... I'm gonna i uh, look it up to tell you uh, what it is. But it, it's fantastic. Like, I actually really laughed. Um, what is it called? 100% Fresh.
1: Okay. I'll have to check that out. Let's see. From resident friend, uh, resident beat reporter Nick Suss, not so much a question as a demand slash challenge, Rank the old Miss media members based on who you miss the most and try to say a nice thing about all of us. Okay. Uh, I do miss Suss. I have not seen him in, in a long time. I, when's the last time I – have I not seen Suss since baseball season? Or is there, I don't know. Early March. Yeah. Uh, I miss your ties. Uh, Nate. Hmm. Congrats on the new job, Nate. Neil, nice hair. Uh, Parrish. Uh, Parrish is already probably in the press box in Houston, if that's the next sporting event, just to make sure he's not late. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Chuck. If I see Chuck, that means football season is here. So uh, I look forward to seeing Chuck because that means I'll have something to do and something to cover. Um, but me seeing Chuck means football season is happened. Uh Ben, you're not so bad at golf? Mm. So the uh, whole I've beat seen- plays golf. That's pretty cool. What? So it's it, who on the beat does not play golf? Uh it's only well, me and Chase were really the only ones. And then Ben just started. He bought a golf cart. He actually hits the ball. Okay. Me, Ben, and Chase played in a scramble at Ben's hometown country club. Uh, I guess that was like three weeks nice. ago, maybe a month ago at this point. Um, I've seen Chase. So
0: he just picked it up and he sw- he's swinging well already?
1: Well, like I say just picked up. He's one of those where he like probably played a little bit like as a kid in high school or not like in high school, but like has played before. It was not his first time ever touching a club, but like kind of really actually getting serious into sure. it. Okay. Um, I've seen Chase like six or seven times since this quarantine hit, just playing golf and other various things. So uh, I'll skip over him. Uh who else is there left on the beat? Did I miss anybody?
0: Uh Yancy.
1: Stay groovy, Yancy. Um
0: uh, <laughs> I, think I don't a,
1: think anybody else covers the team,
0: do they? Not on a no, full time. I think base.
1: that's uh, no, I think that's just about everybody. Um yeah. So that was uh What do you think about Richard?
0: My- you haven't seen Richard in a while.
1: That is true. I don't think I'm ever going to see Richard again. I think this uh, permit I think this Casa de Richard thing is permanent. I don't think he's ever coming back to the studio, right? I mean, uh, in all seriousness, that'll be a
0: win for you. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I get to stretch out my feet. I get to do whatever I want in the studio. Don't have to worry about. Oh, never mind. Not going there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can, I got the studio myself. I can do whatever I want. So, yeah, that's pretty much uh, the whole beat. So thanks for the input, Ty guy. I've talked. To, that's what it was. I haven't seen Sus. We had him on to do the sitcoms, which is actually a raging success. Uh, I had him on that podcast. So, uh, but yeah, I haven't seen Sus in a while. Let's uh go get a beer or something and socially distance. Uh, let's see. Are you watching UFC 250? Maybe. Uh, my UFC thing's gotten to the point to where if I'm not, like, busy or doing something on a Saturday night, then, and I'm with people that, like, want to watch it, I'll watch it. But it hasn't gotten to the point where it's appointment television for me. Like, at the other weekend, UFC 240, whatever the Jacksonville one was, we were all grilling. And I was like, why don't we just buy this? We have nothing else to do. So is that kind of thing. So maybe, probably, I will, because I don't have anything going on this weekend. So are you, are you watching?
0: I don't seek it out, to tell you the truth. Uh, I watched it a few weeks ago, and it was the only thing on. But it's just not really my thing. Uh, I understand why people like it. I'm certainly not going to... Uh, do what I do to baseball people and think you guys are crazy because your sport's boring. Um, I just I don't seek it out, and I, uh, I already spend enough money on internet and TV, so the last thing I'm going to do is pay for more.
1: Well, yeah, that's that thing. Love or hate UFC. No, like If you're describing it as boring, you're just an idiot. <laughs> like, like, if there's one thing, like hate fighting, like fighting, whatever, you can't turn that on and, and complain about a lack of action. I mean that's that's the opposite of like how the sport was conceived. So yeah, I get How what you're crazy was from.
0: it? We talked about it a few weeks ago on the radio show, but the, the fact that one guy was kicking the shit out of the other guy and his corner would not throw in the towel and he's laying on top of him and apologizes to him and says, Hey man, it's part of the job. I'm sorry. And the guy underneath so- him's
1: That was 249. That was, uh, I guess, I I remember watching that. Although, of course, I don't know anything about UFC, and we didn't have the volume on, so I didn't actually understand this until y'all pointed it out Monday.
0: I mean, that's crazy. uh, I wish they would do that for the NBA. Uh, Give us a, because you can't put what they say to each other on uh, any kind of regular television channel, but give us a pay-per-view raw version of what they're saying on the court. I don't even need announcers. Forget it. Just give me a raw feed of the courtside microphone, so I can hear what they're saying to each other. I'd pay for that.
1: Yeah, I would too. Um, but I just, it's one of those things coaches are for sure not going for it and players on either. It's just Dude, have harder you, speaking
0: to do that. Sports. Have you seen what they've proposed, what they're discussing? Um, not letting coaches over 65 coach the team. They'll have to be like somewhere, like up in the arena, somewhere isolated away from their team. Uh,
1: I have not seen that. I doubt that actually happens because if you're gonna tell, uh,
0: Adam talking- Silver said it, uh, yesterday on whatever channel it was, but he said certain older coaches may not be able to be on the bench when uh, uh, the NBA resumes because of uh, coronavirus. He said it out loud. Um, see if I can find the quote here. Um, because there's only two, I think it's it's Alvin Gentry and uh, um, hmm, is it Rick Carlisle? No, it's uh, Mike D'Antonio.
1: D'Antoni. I, I have would used- have actually guessed that. How old is D'Antoni? I guess he's what? Rick Carlisle is six sixty. So, like, he would have to make the cut, right?
0: Yeah, it's just two. So it's uh, D'Antoni and Alvin
1: Gentry. Uh, Let's D'Antoni is 69 years old. He doesn't look it at all, does he? No, he doesn't. Uh, I bet he feels it after this season, though. During an interview
0: on TNT Thursday night, Adam uh, Silver said certain coaches may not be able to be on the bench in order to protect them.
1: Oh, it has to be Popovich. Popovich is 71.
0: Okay, in the group of 22 teams invited to Orlando, Greg Popovich, Mike D'Antoni, and Alvin Gentry are 65 and older. Terry Stotts of Portland is 62. God, he looks good for 62. And uh, Rick Carlisle is 60.
1: Uh, well, I guess the Pistons don't get an invite, but Dwayne Casey is 63. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. I don't know. That... uh I'll be interested to see if that actually passes, because you're already isolating them. Let them take their own risk. I don't know. I just I can't imagine the, like Mike D'Antoni not wanting to be on the sidelines coaching, but I guess we'll see.
0: Here's a quote um, from Gentry for whatever it's worth. At the end of the day, they're the league, but and they're going to make that choice. I think it's unfair if that's what they're doing. I understand the risk I'm taking if I do get it, but hell, I want to be with my team and do my job. So... If that, you're in a bubble, you're
1: already isolated. Let him make the decision. If he doesn't want to coach, then obviously, you know, don't let. I mean, you know, you can't make him, and that's not what they're saying. But just let him make the decision for himself. He's a grown man, obviously. He's better. It's not like they're going to be checks,
0: right? And every single player is going to be tested, and they're going to have to be negative to play. So it's not like he's risking himself by coaching his team full of players that don't have it. That's
1: crazy. I can't believe Adam Silver said that on TNT. Interesting. Who makes the NBA playoffs in this new format? Uh, I'm just still going to go chalk. Orlando and Memphis.
0: Yeah, it's just a tough hill to overcome for anybody. I mean, to stay within... But here's a question. So right now you've got uh, Portland, New Orleans, and San Antonio, right? All of which are tied at 3.5 back of Memphis. What if they're all still tied at 3.5 back of Memphis when this is over? Uh, How do they decide who the 9 seed is to do the play-in series?
1: Wait, say that again.
0: So, if the nine seed is within four games of the eight, they'll do a play-in series, right? Well, what if New Orleans and Portland and San Antonio are all still tied with the same number of games back of Memphis? What do they do
1: there? I'm sure it's some kind of on-paper tiebreaker that they have planned out but just haven't, like, like, I'm sure that something as they get three, four games into the eight games of regular season, they'll start hashing out all the tiebreakers on the TV broadcast and stuff like that, if I had to take a guess.
0: Well, New Orleans is 7-1 and one against uh, Memphis, uh, San Antonio, Portland, and Sacramento. So I think they should get in by default. That's just me. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's a pretty good—I mean, all bias aside, that is a pretty good case in terms of whatever the tiebreaker is. You're probably in pretty good shape. So I'm going chalk. I'm going to go Memphis and Orlando. I mean, the other one's kind of a given. Like, I don't see Washington overtaking Orlando at all. The other one I could see, if I had to take a guess, I wouldn't sleep on Portland or New Orleans. would probably be the two biggest challengers. Uh, to Memphis in the West because uh, just Dame Willard coming off. They've had a dreadful season, and he's been awesome through all of it with C.J. McCollum getting hurt. And, like, coronavirus stuff aside, they had a terrible season off their best in franchise – or not in franchise history, since since the two have kind of been together. Um, So it wouldn't shock me if Portland made it or gave them a run for their money. I don't really buy Sacramento, San Antonio, or Phoenix. I think they're just kind of there. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go chalk. But uh, on one side, it's kind of a given from Jack's dad, seven, seven, seven. What a name. Uh, well, as well as Gunnar Hoagland was pitching before the end of baseball. Do you think the old Miss pitching rotation will be the same next year? Or do you think there's a possibility of Hoagland moving to Fridays and the Casey going to Saturdays? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely possible because Gunnar Hoagland stuff transfers better to Friday night. To where Doug is a really good Saturday pitcher. Doug reminds me of kind of Christian Trentish, where he he fights really well. He's a smart pitcher. He's got good enough stuff. But if you're talking about just kind of going up against elite, top level arm talent in the SEC on Friday nights that you see weekend and week out, I think Hoagland would translate better. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Mike might keep Mike. Excuse me. Mike keep Doug on friday just for the hell of it but if he actually trusts gunner well enough the stuff definitely translates so that wouldn't shock me but to me it's not that big of a difference either way honestly um but if it meshes better that way then yeah that would certainly make sense Uh, i kind of like that idea
0: yeah i like that too uh hoagland was pitching so well before uh the coronavirus shut everything down
1: what old miss game are you most looking forward to this season uh, I'm assuming he's talking about football. So I guess, I don't know. No, he's talking
0: about soccer. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I, uh, I thought this was in response to a basketball question we got. That's why I got confused. But let's see. Now, I, yeah, so assuming he means football. Um, Auburn beat sep- three? Yeah, that's exactly where I was about to go. That September nineteenth game against Auburn, like depending on what happens against Baylor, I mean, you assume they're beating Semo in Week Two, like that's a chance to really generate some momentum before you go to Baton Rouge and then welcome Alabama at home. Because if you don't win that, like you're going, you're starting one and four at best. Um, no, no, no. Excuse me, two and I don't. Depending what happens against Baylor. I mean, that's a really important game. So Auburn, and then, yeah, that's really about it. I mean, after you get through that stretch, you got an interesting game at home against Florida on, in mid-October, which would probably be a chance for them to kind of generate some momentum and pe- pick off someone they're not necessarily supposed to beat. But uh, to me, that Auburn game is probably probably the most interesting. I mean, you're, they're going to manufacture storylines on Kiffin versus Saban the next week, but that, that game's not going to be close. So I'll go and, Auburn
0: as well. I'm intrigued with LSU the week after just because of what they've lost and the Kiffin Orgeron connection and and all that good stuff. But um, Auburn's a winnable game early, and if they somehow find a way to beat Baylor and they're two and O going into that game, if they find a way to win that game, I mean seven potentially eight is on the table. So I think that's a really important game for them uh, on the schedule. I think it's winnable, uh, but it's a, a team that should have a roster that's better than yours should be a really good environment all that good stuff so i think it's that one that i'm most looking forward to
1: in a daring yet bold marketing scheme representatives from golden flake have asked you to infiltrate the indoor practice facility to disperse bags of original chips among the team meeting rooms and coaches offices what former player could you believably pose as to gain access to the building that might be the strangest question we've ever gotten. I don't necessarily hate it, but like, like, what is this guy talking when he types this in there? <laughs> is peyote still around? Can like maybe he's as maybe yeah. he's a big cactus guy? I don't know. What? Did, <laughs> how in the world did he even come up with something like this? Um, I mean, I couldn't. I mean, maybe Luke Logan.
0: Yeah, I would I would have to be like some kind of walk-on linebacker or something, I think.
1: I mean, that or one of those equipment GAs that gins around and all the equipment all the time, but other than that, I couldn't really pose as anyone. What uh what a question. Uh here's what Jason. What former st-
0: player would I have uh, to Uh yeah, pose go ahead.
1: I, I, yeah, I'm going kicker or st- or, uh, or like GA or something. Or excuse me, Matt G equipment guy. I I don't really have a good answer for that one. I, I mean you're you're asking the wrong podcast on that one, dude. I I don't know if you ever looked us up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's funny. What was that last one?
1: Uh okay. Jason uh stoking the egg Bowl Twitter calls again. Here we go. I've got one. This replies to Thunder and Lightning, which is uh, our colleague Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman's podcast as well. Can eggbo Twitter message boards nonsense etc. ever be a healthy mix of I can't stand that some you know what, but we're both in the same SEC NCA boat? Uh, boat? Uh, no. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's never going to happen. I don't know what other evidence you need of that.
0: No, it's not going to happen. Um, it's just and it's not the internet side of this like the message boards being stupid it, that's everywhere man i mean that, that is that is everywhere uh, twitter and message boards are not reflective of reality at all and um it's just it's hard to believe that sometimes and i understand there are certain people that look at that as like some kind of gauge uh, to a lot of things like gauge to um, what people think about a radio show or a podcast or something like that. It just it's best to just uh, avoid them, I guess, uh, because they're not reflective of of reality. Uh, that's just not really how people think. So,
1: yeah, I would tend to agree. My answer is just no. Uh, I've just seen enough. That was uh that was the end of the mailbag questions, I believe. Let me make sure I always get some in DMs that I usually forget. No, nope, that's everyone. And then I'm holding the one from uh what does Kiffin's offense look like? I think that might be interesting to get into on Monday, as well as a look at the defensive side of the ball. So uh outside of that, there's some other storylines. The Drew Brees thing happened since last time we had a podcast. Um I'm kind of tired of talking about it, but you know, the story at this point, drew means, breeze made comments to Yahoo finance, which what a weird interview spot. Whoever's doing drew breezes PR uh, needs to pay reduction or like what? Like just a weird interview spot in general. And number two, like if he's not prepped for a question related to that, then I mean, if he was prepped, it's almost even worse if that was their strategy. But uh, if he wasn't prepped then shame on them as well. But obviously he, he, Answers a question about the protest players potentially protesting the national anthem in 2020 in wake of, uh, you know, the George Floyd and everything you're the George Floyd murder and everything you're seeing across the country currently. And he started the answer. I didn't think the rest of his answer was so bad, but he started the answer with, I am never going to agree with anyone disrespecting the uh, national anthem and the flag or whatever it was. And there's your headline, and it's off to the races. Uh, we've talked about this for two days on radio, but you got to remember different audience. Uh, to me, I thought the comments were, while he's allowed to have an opinion, to me, it was just terrible timing, giving everything that's going on in the country right now. And you know, the thing, whether you like Kaepernick's protest or not, whether you thought he articulated it well, whatever you think about him, the general thing he was protesting happened last week. And you're seeing riots and protests across the country in response to it. So giving your honest opinion about Kaepernick's protest in that moment in time is probably not the smartest thing to do. But, of course, what got a, a confused on the radio show where everyone's like, so LeBron's allowed to say whatever he wants, but Drew Brees can't? Like, no, it's not what I'm saying. Like, if you're at someone's birthday party and, you know, they're celebrating their 25th birthday or whatever um, and they're diving into their cake, and say it's an overweight friend, it's probably not the best time to tell them they're fat and they can't have any of their own cake. Like, just keep your opinion to yourself in that moment and tell them later if your heart desires. Like, just read the room. I'm not saying you can't speak his mind, but, like, if you always said what was currently on your mind, like, if you waited through life, just did that, maybe you do that. But I bet you've gotten punched in the face a couple of times if that's uh, how you approach everything. But you get my point. It's a terrible analogy. I just there's time time and a place to actually give your honest opinion and a time and place to hold your tongue. And he should have just given some bullshit answer full of platitudes and moved on.
0: Yeah. And um, uh, our, our text line and a couple of calls we got that I didn't put on the air uh, for good reason um, show that it, there are people that and I understand why I'm trying to be as measured a, as possible with this as I, I tried to do the same yesterday. It's whether or not. Uh, you agree with the national anthem protest i know that really it really bothers a, a lot of people it really does they view it as disrespectful to this country but if you if you listen to why they were doing it then maybe you can at least understand while still not liking it at least understand that's what i've tried to do uh, especially lately um i i uh I have had to do a lot of growing up on this regard. Um, it just took me a while to, to really kind of understand um, what was going on here. Because at the time, for the, uh, the P1s that have listened to our show forever, I, I, the anthem protest I didn't like. I thought it, it was uh, – what happened was the issue wasn't being talked about. All that was covered and talked about was who did it and who didn't, who likes it, who doesn't like it. And, and the reason why it was going on was never even talked about because of the method in which they did it. And they, at the time, it made I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. I didn't stop consuming the NFL, but I didn't like it. But at least now I think I understand and ha- and have an understanding of why they felt the need to do it because they were – trying to draw attention to the the cause of police brutality. And when that is the reason why they were doing this protest, and you are a quarterback of an NFL team that engaged in it, had players that engaged in it, and a locker room that is filled with mostly African-American men that agreed with the protest maybe you should understand why they were doing it. And that's why the answer was so poorly received. It's not that he's not going to um, kneel for it, and it's not that he doesn't uh, like or dislike people kneeling for it. It's that he, he seemingly didn't know why they were doing it. He didn't acknowledge why they were doing it. A simple a, an answer that they would have accepted, I imagine, would have been, I don't do it. I feel like that's a, a time where I can honor uh, my grandfather who was a veteran. And so I use that time to reflect on, on his memory and honor his memory. But I understand my teammates feel very strongly about something, and and they do that, and, and I support them in their effort to try to stop police brutality. That's all you have to say, you know what I mean? It And what he said showed that he didn't have an understanding of what his teammates felt. And that explanation gets lost on people is they think that... I mean, that got called a liberal a couple of times yesterday, Rippey, for just simply trying to explain why his teammates were upset. They were upset because they feel like their quarterback doesn't understand their perspective. And it gets so lost on disrespecting the flag or respecting the flag, and it's... The real reason why they did it gets completely lost on everybody, including Drew Brees. And so... It's an uncomfortable conversation, and I'm not telling you that you should like that they do it. I'm not saying that you should change your mind or or that you're wrong for thinking that they shouldn't be doing that. All I'm saying is that's why they are doing it, and the reason there's so much unrest right now is because a man died in part because of uh, police brutality. And so read the room— Understand what's going on, and give a coach speak answer, and move on. Instead, he's created a news cycle. He's created strife in his locker room, and I'm not. I, I don't. I don't want to talk about it anymore um, because I don't think you can. You can win uh, by having this conversation with people who have already decided what they think about it.
1: Yes, not again, not that he's not allowed to speak his mind. Like I'm like, of course but he if is. you speak your mind at a terrible timing, like you, you 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 have to be able to take the shit that comes with it, which is happening to him now. Now granted, you've had but what like people don't see the the in-between, everyone just sees the extreme of both sides, and you've had size capitalize on this uh and say that he uh say that he's a racist and all that. Like what he said is not racist. He just doesn't like it was terrible timing. And it shows clearly just kind of a lack of understanding of kind of the plights of, of what of a lot of his teammates have gone through. And so, again, just it was an unnecessary, like, like, just balk on the question. Just say, well, cross that bridge and we'll come to it. Or I'm going to stand, you know, everyone else is free to do what they want to. If he just said what he just said and said, I get like other people can do what they want, but I'm going to stand because and then gone into the answer about his grandfather in World War II and all that, whatever. But like. Just saying he like, just kind of completely dismissing the idea of doing it at all is what have people upset. But, of course, there's people on his, uh, like, on each side saying he's 100% right or he's a racist. And really, the answer is just kind of in the middle to where it's poor timing. But, I mean, should be allowed to speak your mind. But, I mean, like, Shannon Sharp yesterday said Bree should retire. This is, uh, this is, uh, two, two, I believe, at least two, Shannon Sharp has, I believe, a battery and a sexual assault charge? And this is him telling Drew Brees to retire over some flag comments? I mean, it's just complete nonsense.
0: Yeah, the goalpost, the goalpost moving has happened. And now, uh, what's going on is he's apologized twice now. It appears as though his teammates are willing to work with him and move forward together. Uh, and those are the people that are probably uh, impacted by this the most, right? I mean, I can't think of anybody else besides his black teammates that would be more hurt by his comments, you know? And they seem to be willing to forgive him and work with him and move forward and educate him and all that good stuff. But you still have media people that are like, no, 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 apology not accepted. It's not good enough. It's like, well, give him a chance, man. Give him a chance and his teammates a chance to actually understand and work together and and move forward. It just, If you keep saying, like, if he wouldn't have, uh, have apologized, it wouldn't have been good enough. He's apologized twice. Oh, it's still not good enough. There's going to be nothing that is good enough now that he said it. He's a racist and he's a bum and he should resign, according to Shannon Sharp. And he's he's not the only person that thinks that. And he will be unforgiven by some people. And that's, that's certainly not just as bad as not understanding uh, where your teammates are coming from in an instance. But that's not good either. You can't preach education and learning and understanding and then when somebody has a misstep and they are trying to open themselves up to learn you choose not to let them try that's also bad
1: yeah i mean that i agree with everything you said there and it's just i mean if this is the cycle this is what i said on radio you wonder why like people and athletes and like people with brands and icons want to stay out of politics like they get chast like michael jordan getting dumped on through his entire career for not engaging in political issues is because drew Brees pissed off half of the political spectrum with his comments uh, on whatever day it was i mean with his comments and then pissed off the other half for caving and apologizing so yeah. this is the cycle you go through someone says something controversial they apologize with it and then the people that agree with them call them a sellout for apologizing and then in the end you just piss everyone off like you wonder why these people stay out of politics it's because everyone is just batshit insane it's just and i don't understand why everyone has to have it like all like he's a foot like that he's a football player like i get speak this a little different now with everything going on in the country and him getting asked a direct question about it but like i saw that german or some european soccer coach a couple months ago was asked about something on COVID or whatever and he's like I'm a football coach. he's like, I'm like talking about soccer. He goes, I'm a football coach. I wear a hat he goes, I wear a hat and shorts to work. Like, why do I have to have some nuanced take on the coronavirus? Like he's like, Stop asking me that and like I don't know. I wish I would see more athletes just do that. Like, I just I don't know. It's, it's I get why athletes stay out of politics, if that makes sense, because you're only alienating a portion of your fan base one way, no matter which way you go.
0: Yeah, And he, he's now since pissed everybody off. I mean, we had texters on the radio show yesterday that were mad that he apologized and it just uh, it, it's you can't win by going down that road. You'll never win by going down that road. So it's best to just not do it at all. And there are people that think that, oh, he should have just stood firm and told his teammates to screw off. Do you know how locker rooms work? No, he should not do that either. If he wants to do his job adequately and win a Super Bowl, which is why he's coming back because he thinks he's got a team that can win him a Super Bowl, uh, you don't piss them off and then just double and triple down. You have to work with them or else you're not going to – anyway – I, again, I, I keep saying I don't want to talk about it, but I keep talking about it. Um, he just should have never gone down that road because this is why, right here, this is why you don't go, go down that road. Yep, so I don't know. That and story's on probably- the LeBron James thing, b- people were like, oh, well, LeBron can say whatever he wants, but uh, Breeze can't. Well, LeBron got ripped for uh, calling the Raptors GM uh, uneducated because he supports democracy in Hong Kong, like that Lebron has, uh, got Daryl Morey. Yeah, Lebron got roasted for that, and he should have been because that was incredibly stupid. And people share clips of like Laura Ingram, and, and of course, because that's what that's what political talking heads do is they they like the people that share their opinions and they hate the people that don't, and so. Yeah, she wanted LeBron to shut up because she didn't like what he had to say, but she doesn't want Brees to shut up because he, she likes what he has to say, and that's kind of how things work now, but let's not pretend like LeBron James didn't get absolutely roasted for siding with China. I mean, he that was stupid, and so he should have never said anything at all, just no comment, I don't know, instead of calling a guy uneducated for supporting democracy and freedom in Hong Kong. See, now he looks like a dumbass, too. He should have never gone down that road. It's just best to not do it.
1: Yep, well said. So, I don't know. I'm about Drew breezed out on that story. It's just nauseating.
0: It's not going in the radio show. I was thinking about getting a a guest that covers the Saints, but I thought, you know what? It's Friday. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I just, we don't need to. And so, I I changed my mind.
1: That'll just about do it for us today. Thanks for participating in another Mailbag Friday. We'll get into some uh, football-related stuff on Monday. I kind of like the idea of maybe looking at some Kiffin tape. Over the weekend maybe have someone on that covered fau uh or something like that and then kind of doing the same thing with durkin and uh and partridge uh defensively may break that up into two podcasts may keep it as one uh i don't know but uh i kind of like that af heading into next week but i appreciate everyone tuning in i'll remind you one more time before we get out of here uh Go check out Greg at LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. We appreciate what Greg does for the show. Uh, not going to steer you in the wrong direction. It's absolutely the best place to get meat if you're looking to throw something on the grill. Greg loves grilling meat. He loves uh, cutting it. He's uh, he's absolutely the best guy to go to. I promise you, you're going to want to go check out LB's. It is a 1,000% better than any other place you're going to get meat around Oxford. Go check him out for yourself if you don't believe me. But LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Borky and I will be on the radio sports talk Mississippi three to six p.m. today as we head into the weekend. But uh, that's about it for us. For Michael Borky, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We will catch you on Monday.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi media production.